Oh, and you're hosting, right? Sure. Actually, crap. That's that's the thing we forgot. Um. Oh, oh look, I'm pretty sure it's you. I don't think it. It ultimately doesn't matter that much. And I think you'll do a better job hosting the next one anyway with a guest. So. But, but without rules, there's chaos. Okay. Okay. Trivial Merit, yes, a Marvel you. Cinematic Universe podcast. It is, it is you. No, no. no Trivial no, no, no. Merit, we believe in black and white morality here. Whoa. That's what I'm Whoa, hearing what from you. here? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is no. <laughs> no. Trivial, <laughs> Trivial Merit, the law of unintended consequences. <laughs> <laughs> no grays here, only hard boundaries. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. All so right. Now let, let's relook at time. Dot is. I'm at forty eight. Let's just. Oh, I did let's clap just... before. Okay, you're gonna have to ignore my first clap. Oh, okay. I, I didn't even realize that happened because I. Didn't That's okay. It. Yeah. Uh, three, two, one. Welcome to Trivial Merit, the music therapy podcast hosted by two non-therapists who are not medical professionals. And this time, because one of them, which is me, had to reschedule something, we are squeezing in a surprise different episode. So today we will be talking about the classic English rock band, The Who. And we will be going from anxious to content. And with me is my co-host, Matthew. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Caroline. And we were just talking a little bit about what the vibes were like when we were listening to The Who. And I feel like when we needed to pull in a pinch hitter because I had to reschedule, and I appreciate that everyone was flexible about that, um, I was thinking, like, looking at our shared playlist, or our shared spreadsheet... What is kind of like a softball? You know, what is somebody who I'm confident I know their catalog, they have a broad availability of emotions and stuff like that, and I thought The Who is a good... Jimmy Buffett, no. Yeah, well, (laughs) we're still working on pushing my Jimmy Buffett agenda on the show, which is is fine, I can play the long con, but... The Who is like a very uh, accessible classic band with a lot of output that has been used a lot in things like movies and even in high profile commercials. And so they're always still kind of swimming in the consciousness. And they have that one song that no one really knows the title of, but they all call it Teenage Wasteland. Oh, yeah. I was like, (laughs) wait, if we don't know the name of the song, I don't know what song they're talking about. (laughs) It's like... A paradox. Um, okay, so Matthew, do you remember when you first encountered the Who? This is a band that predates both of us by decades. Yes. Uh, so I do remember. I do remember the first time I became aware of them, um, and I think it was. It was probably. I don't think I had reached double digit age yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I think it was when a lot of CDs were being put out like this is mid 80s so like 
the CD age was like cresting and everything was starting to come out on CD. So like when the bigger acts of like the 60s and 70s were putting out their their albums on CD, like there were commercials about it. There were radio, the radio talked about it a lot. And I remember The Who being one of one of those bands mentioned but the first time i actually heard a song of theirs is actually because of a tv show uh it is because of full house interesting and uh there was there was i don't remember the entire setup of the episode but i I think danny was on his morning show thing that he did uh, and he was going to do like a father-daughter dance or something, or, or it might have been her dance or whatever with DJ. Uh, it, DJ's the old one, right? I don't remember all the characters. Yeah, Candace Cameron yes, now Candace beer. Ke- and uh, so he was rehearsing with Jesse's band, and they were they were doing My Generation. Oh, uh huh. And it is exactly how you would think it went. And if I were a teenage girl and that was my father, I would probably be embarrassed that he was going to try and do that in front of my friends as well. Uh, Eventually he did my girl and it was very cute and wonderful. Uh, But I'm like, what? I'm, I'm like, what the heck is he singing? And my mom goes, that's my generation by The Who. I'm like, who are The Who? She's like, I see what you did there. Who, um, <laughs> who's that? The Who are on first. That's yes. what the it is called. And then, and then she, I think she said, they also have a big song called Who Are You? And I'm like. That's true. <laughs> I'm like, are they, were they are they joking? Like, And then, and then I eventually saw um, The Who's, I think it was just called The Who's Greatest Hits. It had a big old Union Jack British Empire flag on it. For like three bucks, <laughs> picked it up and sure. fell in love almost immediately. Um, and I think the I think what set what I couldn't articulate it then. I can probably come close to stumbling through it now. Uh, what what kept the who as sort of a a pretty regular listen for me is i still think they sound different than just about everybody else from their era yeah i on first hearing you say that i want to agree with that and i also can't really put my finger on what the distinction is yeah i would guess well, with I mean, with all, it's like when you hear, you know, Mick and Keith, you're like, yeah, that's Mick and Keith. Um, mm-hmm. It's the combination of Roger Daltrey's voice and Pete Townsend's playing, and um, I think especially John Entwistle on the bass is. Yeah. But also Keith Moon, like this is a, this is a group of absolutely like peak of their talents, folks. Yes, and it's and it's all and it happens almost immediately. Like, yeah, they don't, they don't waste time. Like they, they, they're like that cat meme that you'll see on Fridays. Walk in, fuck shit up, walk out. They walked <laughs> in and fucked shit up for a long time. And I'm not just talking about what Keith Moon did to hotel rooms. Um, <laughs> Smooth. 
<laughs> but I think what it and I'll save a lot of this for later in the show. But I think most of most of what I like, and I'm gonna back the, I'll back this up and uh, later in the show. And uh, but I think they kind of. And I know, I know rock and roll began, you know, not with white people, but for some reason, I think the post sixties rock, I think the who have all of the characteristics of what you think of rock and roll, even though if you, if you were to think of rock and roll as an ideal, you might not think of the who. Yeah. Like I remember when I first started listening to music on the radio, like, like in grade school, um, and I didn't really know what was going on. But if I, but as a kid, we all kind of dance around in our own little way. But I remember the the boys in my class, we all air guitared, and we all <laughs> swung our arm like Pete Townsend does. But if you would have asked us where we got that, no idea. Yeah. And like, and I think that is just one of the, that is like the first part of the argument of like the who kind of are rock and roll in a lot of ways. Uh, oh, yeah, save, absolutely. I'll save a lot of that for later on. What about you, Caroline? Uh, how did how how did you find out about the who? Well, as is often the case with the classic rock bands that we discuss on the show, I was raised in a The Who home. So I grew up hearing... Underneath a <laughs> I, grew, I grew up hearing especially Who's Next, which is the album where they are peeing on a monolith. And... Is that what they're doing? <laughs> they're definitely peeing on like a large concrete thing um yeah yeah we can mark this at like when i realized what was happening on the cover of the rolling stones album sticky fingers you know these are just Mm -hmm. educational moments in um grown-up themes in rock and roll music so i i think i also grew up hearing tommy a lot which is the who's rock opera about a pinball wizard um we can we'll talk about tommy enter but, yeah to, um, to, like yeah tommy's weird <laughs> it's a very yes and it's um so i was kind of always hearing the who but i don't know if this was true in your family but in my family there were a lot of bands where even though we listened to them a lot we would only listen to like maybe two or three of their albums that were like my dad's favorites. Mm -hmm. So as I got older, I started to hear more other who stuff. And one of the formative experiences of that was, and I, you can let me know if you have seen this too, uh, Matthew, it's an episode of the show freaks and geeks. That's about the character bill played by Martin Starr. Okay. I've and, never actually watched Freaks and Geeks. Oh my gosh, okay. So, first of all, 
<laughs> Stop the recording. Go <laughs> See you back here in approximately 14 hours. Okay, cool. Um I would I would recommend Freaks and Geeks for you, especially as you are getting into the mindset of thinking about raising kids because I think mm-hmm. it has some very good depictions of what it's like to be a kid and what it's like to be a parent and um but okay so bill in the show is one of the geeks there's the freaks and the geeks that's the title is referring to bill is a geek he's a very nice kind funny kid who's just like not popular and there's an episode that goes into his perspective which i think is something that's become much more common in like the prestige television era where seasons of shows will have like one episode that's from the perspective of the mother instead or the sister or the friend you know it's like a common trope now but freaks and geeks i think came out in 1999 and was a network drama so it was like kind of a departure and bill is the child of a single mom and kind of a latchkey kid because she's a working mom as well. And the episode is filled with songs by The Who, which must have cost an absolute fortune. Like, I can't even fathom how much that must have cost to license multiple songs by The Who for one episode of, like, niche drama television. But, um... When did... Freaks and Geeks air. I actually don't know. I think it was in 1999. Okay. So it would have been... I don't know if that would have been... I don't know if that would make it easier to license songs by The Who or harder. Because I know, like... I feel like around the turn of the millennium, uh, it got super, super dicey. Yeah, but even remember that... A show like Northern Exposure, which aired earlier in the 90s, was so filled with licensed popular music that it became almost unreleasable during the DVD era. They had to gut it of all of its popular music. Yeah, they would have to re-up all that. Like, I think it was the same thing with, like, Beavis and Butthead as well. Oh, I'm sure that's true. Yes. Yes, or yes, like yes. WKRP in Cincinnati, like Yeah. Things that center around that. Yeah, you're you're likely not going to see those in any way that they were. Yes. Well, and so from that episode of Freaks and Geeks or maybe from the run of the show in general cuz that's the kind of the era that it's about anyway is the I think it's set in 1980. And okay. the Who were still doing brisk business by then. And so one of the songs in that episode is The One, which I heard again doing my research for this episode. And another one is Love, Rain, or Me, which is a beautiful song that I had just never heard. So, so yeah, I think that's my full The Who story. Okay. And I think they're, they're not always talked about in the classic rock conversation, in the tier that I believe them to be in. Oh, 100%. 100%. I think, I think if you were to, if you were to look at like the quote unquote British invasion, 
Um, I think the the two well, there's there are three bands that get significantly like short strawed in my in in my opinion. I think it's the Who, the Kinks, and the Small Faces. Oh yeah, um, very interesting choices. Um, like I mean, the Kinks like they definitely made a splash with their early stuff, but then they like I don't and and I've not I I don't have. Uh, any sort of like grand knowledge to this effect, but I think a lot of people were reacting to Beatlemania and thinking we can't just do that. We have to branch out now. Sure. The Beatles branched out all the ways that they did love, love them or leave them. But I think them being as big as they are and causing these other bands to sort of separate like, and go another way brought out the best in all of them and and i think most of most of the other bands in the british invasion i think i just think made better music than the beatles or at least they made music i like more um yeah i'm on the record as a beatles bummer and i'm comfortable with that as a as a rolling stones proponent yeah and Yes, I'm. I have controversial feelings, but I won't get into them here. We're here to talk about the Who, not yes. about weird hot takes that well, I could say. I mean, like when we, I, I do like the fact that we did the Beatles as our first episode. And yeah, we, they're very, they're very foundational and very accessible. Yeah, and and I also was able to view their catalog very dispassionately because. I don't care about it that much. <laughs> right. Like, and I've, I find myself like when I was like, when I was a kid, like the Beatles brought me into music in a way that I didn't like in a way that I started to think about it more. And that was because I heard about them because all of their stuff was coming out on CD. And I wanted to find out why they were the greatest rock and roll band at the ripe old age of nine. Like, what oh yeah like, yeah yeah I, I, and and my parents were annoyed that i wanted to listen to the beatles all the time but like i've i've settled into like do are are are, are they the pound for pound best rock and roll band to ever exist i don't think so are they the most important and i would i would argue that they are because of the things they did outside of topping charts like sure before a hard day's night the actual the the album full of originals is an almost unviable concept in 1964 right even for an explosively popular previous act like elvis exactly it's like almost entire thing was like 50 50 covers and originals like it was it was covers or or someone in the sun studio stable wrote something and said elvis sing it like (laughs) yeah um, uh but you know and 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 that is something you can't take away from the beatles you just can't were they the first band to do it no uh did they do it the best probably uh but like that's i mean i would say that that makes them the most important uh, sure. But, well, I think 
I would be interested after we exchange our list, which mm-hmm. I think is what we should do now. Yes, I agree. Otherwise, we can, gonna, otherwise we're going to get way far away. <laughs> yeah. We can talk about, because you've referred a few times now to whether or not something is a rock band. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts more about what that means to you and also to maybe explore my own thoughts because to me, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. Let's start. No spoilers. Yeah, um, let's, 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 let's just let's 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 stop and let's do lists before we before we <laughs> before well, we just yep, we're gonna we're gonna completely s- scrap the list and then just talk about this. <laughs> we're gonna stop, collaborate, and listen, as they say. That's kind of the, the subtitle of this show, actually. Well, I guess we we stop, listen, and then collaborate. The order's a little different, but that's okay. So, I think it's me who goes first. Yes. Yes? Yes. Okay. All right. I will say I'm not sure which album I made it through, but I just started listening from the very beginning, and I probably got through, like, the turn of the 80s. And by then I already had like 15 songs. I was like, this is already going to be difficult. So mm-hmm. I called it there. I didn't go past that. Before, if you before, love... before you jump to your list, I didn't include any of that stuff, any, any uh, thing beyond that on mine either. I will say I, I listened to a lot. I haven't, I listened to a lot of their stuff like endless wire from 2006. Oh, wow. And they're self-titled from 2019. Oh, that's, um, very wild to think about. I, w- I will say this: Do they do they sit next to the classics? Probably not. Are they bad? No, they're not bad. They're actually they're actually okay listens. But uh, continue. Do your list. Yes. If you have really strong opinions about the neo, who I would love to hear them because I just don't know anything about it. And okay, so. First on my list is a very strange little track from Quadrophenia called Helpless Dancer. I like it because it has strange, frenetic energy. It changes vibes a lot. It's only two and a half minutes long, but it is very packed with weirdness. And listening to it made me feel anxious. So I was like, yeah. "This is helpless." <laughs> I, I love, I, I love that song. <laughs> Actually, yes, I, I really do. It's so strange. It's a very strange song, and we can talk about this after. But sure. I do think. One of the things that sets the Who apart when we're thinking about how they are very identifiable as themselves is that they do really ambitious, experimental things. And that's true even in their earliest stuff that is mostly like goofy covers. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a cool quality. All right. Second on my list this song has given me the creeps since I was a small child. 
It is. I don't know if it is it is it John Entwistle who sings this song. Yes, I believe it is one of the few that he wrote and sang. Yes, and he does like a creepy yucky voice. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. <laughs> Almost and made my list too. <laughs> it's re- yes, we're uh, we're recording this a couple of weeks after Halloween. It definitely has, like, if I heard this song on Doctor Demento, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. It is almost a novelty it's such a weird song <laughs> i would be like you understood the assignment doc <laughs> okay uh number three on my list is off of my generation it is the song la 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 lies Ooh, nice if i'm so lost without a friend tell me who's this by my side this girl with eyes like gems I think this is a, a jangly, like, peak 60s Who kind of song. Mm-hmm. Except that then it is about this dark theme of being lied to. So it kind of hits the... It has it has the tempo of anxiety, and then the subject matter is anxious. So I think it's, I think it's good in that way. But starting to become more like regular songs. So fourth on my list is off the album that is a greatest hits that's called meaty beady big and bouncy fantastic and yes speaking of rock and roll subtle euphemisms (laughs) and i think okay this is one of my very favorite who songs Mm -hmm. and i could not suss out where it first appeared in the United States or not. So it's definitely much earlier than Meaty Beaty Big and Bouncy. Um, But that's where I found it when I was looking through. So uh, it is the song I Can't Explain. from my generation yeah but i like couldn't i think it might have been on the british only one and then the u.s version that was the who sing my yeah, generation sing my didn't generation. have it and so i was like where would i have heard it i might not have heard it until meaty beaty big and bouncy yeah but uh yeah, I, yeah the 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 way that the 
<laughs> the way that the music industry is handled on both sides of the Atlantic at this particular time is a bit weird. <laughs> that's why we get yes. why the Americans got the weird Beatles albums while all the good ones were UK. It was, it was wild. Yes, 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 yes. And okay, that song is just great. I like it a lot. Number five is off the album The Who by Numbers. I, full disclosure, I'm wrestling with Chester Cat while he tries to eat my headphones. Stop doing that, please. Awesome. And, buddy, you gotta stop. You can't do that. (laughs) Nope. He's, nope, you can't do that. Okay. I'm physically restraining him. This is cool. I can multitask. (laughs) So. Put the cat in four point restrictions. We got this. (laughs) (laughs) So. This is a song that I heard, but I didn't ever know what it was called because it's based on not knowing what he's saying over and over during the song. It is a song, Slip Kid. I've got my clip on, textbooks, lead me to the station, yeah, I'm off to the Civil War. I've got my kit bag, my heavy boots, I'm running in the rain, gonna run till my feet are raw. Slip Kid, Slip Kid, second generation, I'm a soldier at 13. Oh yeah. And so, um, I, I'm, there's countless songs in the in the pop oeuvre where I've listened to them a million times, and I have no idea what the person is saying. I don't know what I would have told you. I thought Roger Daltrey was singing in this song, but he's he's saying. Slip kid, slip kid, slip kid. I don't know what a slip kid is. That must be some British slang. Yeah. I have no idea. But I love that song. And it is like, it's on that pivot point where it's starting to have good vibes. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. That, you know, a lot of the Who by Numbers, uh, like, a lot of that album (laughs) ended up, like, really near my list yeah it's one that i again had just like not ever come across as a kid and listening to it i was like oh right this is great Mm -hmm. okay number six on my list we're back to quadrophenia and this song i did mention earlier from freaks and geeks it is from a scene where bill is making himself an after-school snack. It's called I'm One. Where do you get those blue, blue jeans? Faded, patched secrets so tight. Where do you get that walk on so lean? Your shoes and your shirts all just right. I'm one. I like I'm One because it has a cute start that's kind of like almost like twee, like very acoustic-y and folky and then it amps up and it's just a cool song and I will say something I really appreciate about The Who is that a lot of their work these songs are tight they are short, they're under three minutes I almost put Okay, uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, Okay. 
Number seven on my list is from Who's Next? Which I listened to so much as a kid that I think I don't like it anymore very much. And that's not the album's fault. It's a classic, iconic album. But this song has great vibes and it is getting in tune. Cause it fits in well with the way I'm feeling There's a symphony that I hear in your heart Sets my head reeling But I'm in tune Right in tune I'm in tune And I'm gonna tune Riding on you It's just like very melodic it's about just like getting on the same page with somebody you care about Mm -hmm. and um sharing their wavelength which i think is good and then last on my list is um i don't want to be too superlative about this song i think it's wonderful it makes me feel great it is off of Tommy, and it is called I'm Free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free to stop reality. I'm free. song i cut uh yeah yeah i'm free rules what did you keep but you got rid of i'm free that's intriguing yeah and i would okay and so what i was gonna say is that i was considering putting the overture from tommy on my list because that is like First of all, it's very unusual for us to have any artists where they have an overture on any of their albums. Sure. Because that's more of like a musicals kind of thing, or in this case, a rock opera. Mm-hmm. Um, but the just like free-flowing melodies and the nice instrumentation of it just made me feel peaceful. It's like, um, what's the meme? Chill, lo-fi beats to study to <laughs> chill lo-fi meaty be- meaty beaty big and bouncy <laughs> <to study to. laughs> exactly exactly but yeah yeah so that's my list the overture and the like when i when i started just thinking about songs rather than going through and listening to it like what would i put and like in the first five things i just thought to myself like the overture and the underature were like in that conversation already um yes but yeah like yeah as much as as much as i like tommy and also with what you said about the who's next i'm i'm kind of in the same place like i i've internalized that album so much and if a lot of the bigger songs from it come on won't skip them but like i'm not like i don't remember the last time i said i need to listen to who's next (laughs) like i don't remember the last time i said that uh, yeah. Right, I find a lot of their other stuff a lot more exciting at this point in my life. Yeah. 
Oh, well, should I, should I just jump into it? Yes, I'm excited to hear your list. Okay, so first off, we started on the same album, Caroline. Nice. My first song is from Quadrophenia, and it is called Cut My Hair. Why should I care if I have to cut my hair? I got to move with the fashion or be outcast. I know I should fight, but moment is really alright. And I'm still living at home, even though it won't last. Nice! Nice, nice. Okay. Um, and quad- Quadrophenia. It, like listening to this, I actually found myself. I think this is probably the first time I've actually sat down and listened to it completely since I've been in healthcare. Um, Ooh, okay. Which is, you know, since 2013. But I started to, I started to realize, I'm like, wait a minute, there. So the the elevator pitch, um, in some places, like I remember seeing this before I ever listened to it is that uh, they called it Quadrophenia because it was like four sides to Jimmy's personality. Um, and I've seen the movie Quadrophenia. It's just been like 20 years. Um, mm, so I couldn't uh-huh. even begin to like compare con- and contrast the two. Um, but... I kind of found myself thinking like this could actually be considered one of the very first like emo albums. Interesting. Like, I feel like I feel like there's 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 probably there's there's there there are a crew of very smart emo fans out there that could probably make this argument in a better way than I could, but I feel like Quadrophenia has all that specifically here because it's about a person who doesn't understand why he's trying to keep up with everybody around him. But he knows if he doesn't, he's going to be outcast. Yes. Now, that sounds like, I mean, I'm not a My Chemical Romance fan. I'm not mad at them. It just didn't hit me. Not, it sounds like all of that material to me. I don't think any of that material is bad because like, it's just, it's just, Again, didn't line up with me for whatever reason. Um, sure, and something I realize as I get older, and maybe you've realized this as well, is that nothing is new. Well, you know, some computers are new. You know, like some stuff's new. Yeah. But in terms of the subject matter that things are about, the stories that get told over and over... Mm-hmm. About every five years, you see, like, an entire cultural reset where all the music is, like, talking about the same stuff, but it's different bands. Mm -hmm. All the podcasts are covering the same stories that you've heard before, but it's different podcasts. Yep. And just, you know, it's just the nature of things. People want to hear their version of their hero tell the story or sing the song. And I get that. Yeah. And and then if you if, if also, like... If you have a lot of people saying you need to listen to this, eventually it becomes too much. Like I don't want to listen to what you're talking about. I want to find. Some, I want to find my own thing. Um, sure, and music is so funny because there are bands that, like Spotify, loves to do this. Like say, um, 
Hey, Caroline, you listened to this one band that released pop punk in the year 2000. Do you like all these other bands? And I'm like, if I liked all those other bands, I would also be listening to them. You know, like right. <laughs> the fact that I'm not is because I don't like how their singer sounds or something else goofy. That's just like totally personal. Yeah. Like I go down, I go, I have a very short attention span when it comes to those, when it comes to like the algorithm throwing things at me. Um, if it throws something at me that I've never heard and I like, I tend to follow that. And then I don't really wait at that point. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting for Spotify to strike lightning twice. It's not good. Yeah, it's not definitely. But anyway, back to cut my hair. Um, I like the, uh, the interplay between Townsend and Daltrey here. Um, I think, uh, the their their vocal powers um is used so appropriately here where townsend is kind of like that introspective almost kind of anxious sad boy in a way and then uh, yeah he has just this front man presence that i mean it's only there for like i the the chorus i think it's you would call that a chorus but it's used 100% to both of their advantages and it and just a song just shy of four minutes and it uses every second of it very well in my opinion number two on my list is from who's next but I don't think it was actually on original who's next this is the problem of being part of the CD generation. This is the one I, 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 and it's not really a problem per se, but it's like, it's one of those things that if you are, if you are, if you are younger and you didn't grow up when the, who were putting out music and you don't, you might not realize that who's next ended with, we don't get fooled again, (laughs) but you know, in the CD age, you get like five bonus tracks you know, their outtakes or, or, or whatever, things that were supposed to be used on what Who's Next was originally supposed to be. Yeah, it's not my favorite. But but for me, uh, like, I don't even know myself. Uh, just s- speaks to anxiety the same way that Cut My Hair does. Like, Yeah, absolutely. You think you know me? I don't even know. And, and I think uh, listening to that again for the first time in a while, I w- was like, huh, I remember being in my mid-twenties trying to, like, still grappling with this and not really knowing, like, who I was or, or, or what I wanted to be. And it took a long time. I mean, it still took a long I don't think I really knew the ans- any answers to that until... You know, I was in my mid to late thirties. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, I'm. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm there now. But like, 
listening to that again definitely rung of anxiety to me. Um, yeah. Third is off of what might actually be my favorite Who album. Uh, it is the Who Sellout. Ooh, okay, okay. And the song is I Can't Reach You. Ooh, very good anxious vibes. Your hair is gold, mine is gray. You walk on grass, it turns to hay. Your blood is blue and your eyes are red. My body strains, but the nerves are dead. I can't reach you. I strain my eyes, I can't reach you. I split my sides, I can't reach you. Just a just a just a, a a very pretty Townsend delivery, and uh, it's a it's a beautiful pop medley, and I like that. Thinking thinking about it right now, and like um, I don't even think about the guitars that are in it. I think about Ed Twistle's bass, Moon's like very subtle drumming. Like he does do his big Keith Moon breaks. Uh, mm-hmm. It's mostly just it's mostly a bouncy baseline from from Entwistle and nice little pianos and it's just a really good pop medley and and it's one of my favorite Townsend vocal performances. Um and I will probably have a lot to say about the Who sell out once we talk about doing this list. Um moving on to number 4 off of the album Who Are You it's the opener new song we sing the same old song just like a vintage car you can look but you won't never drive it we drink the same old Totally. Lyrically, like I'm, I'm not gonna say new song is providing this. I don't think, I don't, I don't think, like if you wanted to draw correlations from the lyrics to the emotions, don't. Th- that's not, I, that's not what this is for in my list. This is just like, hey, we're going to, we're going to change it up and get moving to greener pastures. And I, I think the, the way that the song opens, uh, the album "Who Are You." Uh, is just it's just full of that and it's actually a very uh, a very strong Daltry performance uh, filled with you know swagger panache and that presence that he has as a rock fan <clears throat> number five back to their debut and I believe it is the only overlap Ooh. I can't explain no wonder you knew what album it was from off the top of your head. <laughs> well, I, well I, I, <laughs> I knew before because I like I think 
I well, I'll, I'll talk about. It. I'll, I'll... It's true. You have a you have a wonderful and impressive musical memory it's, in general. I, my mind's a death trap for bullshit. I remember so many things I would rather not remember. Uh, like I don't need to know the exact seating arrangement and all the names of the kids in my fourth grade class. <laughs> oh my god! Just fourth grade. Just that's so iconic. <laughs> like. Like I can put together, I can in my mind palace. I can be like, I can roughly remember kind of where some of them sat. Yeah, but I'm not even. I can't even name all the kids who were in my yeah. class. Like, yeah. Exactly. But I moved partway through fourth grade, so I get an excuse. Oh, you moved in. I see. I moved from between third and fourth, so maybe that's why. I don't know. But um, I moved between third and fourth, and then also partway into fourth. So the whole year is just a. Oh, okay. So you met way too many new people that year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I can't explain is I feel like on my playlist, this is just in the context of my eight songs that I have here. This is the one that is the most traditional 60s rock. Yeah, just, definitely. Just within the confines of my playlist. Like this is I mean, this is this is definitely they're aiming at they're aiming at scoring some points on the charts because it's all it is is about meeting someone and, and, and have, and catching feelings real fast and not being able to explain it. Like I'm pretty sure that's, that's, that's all of our experiences. Um, yeah. And it has that iconic opening riff. Yeah. That is very like Ed Sullivan show friendly. Yes, and it is also know? a riff that has been ripped off for other hits. Uh, a bit actually <laughs> um yeah uh local philly philly rocker todd rundgren uh ripped it off Ew. ripped it off for the naz's first first big hit uh just like he ripped off steven tyler's girl am i right switch that's a little um and then i think <laughs> very specific trivia and, and, and <laughs> the clash uh use it in the clash city rockers um Oh, interesting. <clears throat> but we can st- save <laughs> that. Will probably be on a future trivial merit episode. Just saying. Um, yeah, at some point we're gonna do gonna, at least one the clash yes, episode. If we, and if, I if will... we don't, if we don't pun Don off of <laughs> off of X, we'll bring him back for the clash because I know I know he loves. That. Nice, 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 uh, nice. But I can't explain is like is is that beautiful mix of romance and just big rock sound from the mid sixties. And I, I think that it shows off, it, it shows, it shows a versatility, especially within uh, my generation as an album. Um, mm-hmm. Because that album goes a ton of places. Number six uh, is probably the most famous song on my list. Uh, and is probably the most uh basic bitch song on my list it's pinball wizard off of tommy nice i love pinball wizard. i love it too but it's strictly for the vibes like i i i don't need to know how pinball wizard fits into tommy and i for some reason like trying to piece it all together i still don't think it actually does i think it's just a really good song that they just made happen ever since i was a young boy i played the silver ball from Soho down to Brighton, I must have played them all. But I ain't seen nothing like him in any amusement hall. That deaf, dumb, blind kid. 
I think um, the other thing that's interesting to me about the Who, like your combination of I Can't Explain and then Pinball Wizard is so good because Pinball Wizard also opens with an absolutely iconic sequence, but it is like big and sweeping and noisy and it's not like melodic. It's a wall of sound it's a vibe it's like a wash and i think something so interesting about the who is that they went from uh oh i'm going to say something's like calculus i'm sorry Go right ahead. Bring but it. do it a lot of the jangly 60s music which is great but it is very discreet in the discreet ete the sense of being separate there's a lot of staccato sounds mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh very distinctive guitars where you hear every string there's not a lot of reverb it's just like the style at the time especially from the british invasion and the who as the 60s wear on because tommy i think came out in 1969 which is very early for something as weird as it is honestly yeah. and it embraces not just like waves of sound that are much more like reverb and sustain pedal and all of that but fully like orchestral stuff like one of the what's the um is it tommy can you hear me that has literally a french horn riff yep. like this is a wild yeah. <laughs> wild album it's so ambitious it's so creative and it's very risky yeah well, and even Pinball Wizard could not be like a more iconic, pure, straightforward rock song. Within that framework, it's so weird. Yes, and it, and and like, if you want to like, and I said, I know I just got done saying like I don't see how Pinball Wizard fits into Tommy, and I I mean that purely from like the story of Tommy, like in terms of like how oh how yeah it, absolutely because how it hangs together on the album musically is at, it, it is somehow chaotically flawless um oh yeah it's all it's all over the place and like the themes if people don't know about tommy it is a story ostensibly about a young man who has been the victim of child sexual abuse and as an adult he becomes a prodigy mm -hmm. at pinball if that sounds super weird yes, yes it, it does it's weird. It's very weird. But so there's. I mean, it's basically PewDiePie. If you look. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, no. No hashtag discourse. No, I don't want that. Um, but. So. It almost is more like a stage musical or something yeah. like there are songs that are like villain songs mm -hmm. and they have cr creepy instrumentation and you know it's really yeah very so so weird but so it bounces all over the place with all these extremely different moods and subject matters and 
the fact that it's ultimately about pinball. <laughs> yeah, and well, and, like, and then musically, like they, I, I remember watching, like either behind the well, it's probably both behind the music and when VH1 did the hundred greatest albums of rock and roll. Like you see all of these, mm-hmm. n- like news clips of people saying you know this is the opera house normally you hear verdi or puccini or or pagliacci or 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 whatever opera du jour you want to name but today it's the who a rock group and like they they immediately (laughs) immediately shift to disdain and and i'm like that that's so mean (laughs) like it's 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 like when you um like, the only thing I can think of that immediately, like, reminds me of is when you hear, like, a news pundit, like, try and talk about a piece of music that just came out and is, like, all over the charts. And they... Or, like, a, or like a TikTok video. Right. Like, like um, inter- internet creator influencer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hank the Cat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Or, or, or like, um, or, or like, I feel that way when I talk about TikTok, to be clear, I'm not any sure, cooler yeah, than this like, person I'm, not, I'm, I'm not, making yeah, fun of. I, I'm the same. <laughs> like I, like it's, it's weird how much TikTok I watch as a 42 year old man, but, <laughs> but also, <laughs> but also when I try and show it to somebody who is of the TikTok generation, they look at me and they're like, oh, the old man knows what TikTok is. And I'm like, great. That's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed by you as it's well. Fine. It's fine. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I do it because I, when I see that, when I see the videos of people making animals talk, it makes me laugh and it makes me feel more yes. inside. And I usually send a lot of them to Jesse and Caroline. <laughs> so, yes, and Jesse also sends TikToks to me. I, I'll be honest; I am a heavy TikTok user for someone who doesn't use TikTok, right. and uh, I am just like based, basted in beautiful little videos of cats, and I could not be happier. Yes. Uh, so, Tommy, back to back to back to Tommy and and TikTok. I mean, Pinball Wizard. Um, I think it's really funny how people at the time would just like almost come right up to the line of poo-pooing this, but actually not do it just in case someone around them liked it. And when, and it's, it's, it's weird that that's a practice that still just fucking happens. Like we can't just, we can't just acknowledge someone trying something. Now I get it. A a rock band in the mid sixties where, where the, the music is controlled by the labels trying to do a, a rock opera and the fact that that happens it's a bit weird totally I, I can acknowledge that but when it when it comes off the way that tommy does you kind of have to be like wow they actually fucking did that um and, and yeah and they, they did didn't, they did not bring i don't i'm not an opera enthusiast i've i've seen a couple just like on dvd i've never actually been to one but mm-hmm. But they did not, they really tried to respect the art form. Um, and like earlier when you were talking about like overtures and undertures, and like it's pretty funny that a rock band has that. 
part of me ever since I first heard that I'm like oh they're just doing that because it's that's what that's what happens in an opera and I'm like yeah and, and like nowadays yeah they did that because they had to because if they just launched with uh you know it's a boy or uh 1921 I don't remember what opens after the after the overture someone out there would be like well, where's the overture this is not an opera without an overture and and I think that they they really went to the right lengths to play by that rules and still completely make it their own thing. And that's what I that's one of the things I love about Tommy. Uh, but I've spent a lot of time on six, so let's just get right to seven. Uh, so 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 Caroline, you, you you like fun, right? Do I? Yes, now, I do. Sorry, do I really forgot like I was fun? in an eighties commercial. Do you really like fun, or are you just saying you like? I love fun. Awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, we're taking the magic bus. Yes! <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. I'm glad you've brought on the magic bus. Every day I get you. Magic bus. To get on the bus that takes me to you. The magic bus is is probably like it's probably if I were to sit down and think about it, it's probably my second favorite new song. It probably is because it is so it's so good and so silly and so stupid, but all at this all mm-hmm. at the same time, just being jubilant and and just it's just oh I I love it. How this band can do something so silly like Magic Bus and it becomes a hit. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking I was like, how come I didn't hear Magic Bus when I was doing my research for this episode? And I think it's because I think I would have only heard it on Live at Leeds, and I just skip Live at Leeds because I don't like to listen to live right. albums for the show. Like, it, I, and it's on, that's nobody's fault, but it's on the. I have the version on the kids are all right. Mm, okay, like a, okay. Which is a, I mean, it's a soundtrack to a movie, but it, it's not much of a movie. If I'm being like, not like it's bad, but it's literally just a series of uh, clips of the Who performing on TV. Like that's really what it is, except for like the last two. Yeah. Um, and and. Uh, I, I love the Magic Bus so much. I just I just remember that's such a really fun song. I'm very glad you I included that. I will never that. ever forget the episode of The Simpsons where the Who were on, and and you see Homer go like, "Play Magic Bus," and there's like a church <laughs> wall in Springfield for whatever reason. I forgot the whole episode thing, but the Who is standing on it, and like I think Roger Daltrey says, we'll play Magic Bus as soon as you agree to take down this wall. Uh, and, and then Homer <laughs> goes, Mama's got a squeeze box! <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, Magic Bus is, is near the end, because it, it makes me it makes me happy, 
But what actually brought me to content is off of the uh -huh. numbers. Blue, red, and gray. But I like every minute of the day. I like every second. So long as you were on my mind. Every moment has its special charm. It's alright when you're around, rain or shine. Nice. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. And that is one of those it's a more pretty Pete Townsend work. But it's about some people like have their fun like, during the day. Some people are, are night people. Some people are evening people. And then the I think his delivery is me. I love every minute of the day. And it's just about enjoying things. Not yeah, like, seizing the like day. Non-specifically, like, you know, just make sure you do something to make yourself happy. Like, that's what that song makes me think of every time I've listened to it. It's like, it clocks in under three minutes. It's very tight, very quick. And, uh... If that's not something that I think the first time I heard it, I'm just like, you know, I think I heard it on the way to work. And I'm like, you know, today could be a shitty day from hell. But now that I have now that I'm probably going to have this song in my head, I think it'll be. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I think no matter what happens, that's wonderful. No matter what happens, it's going to be all right. And uh, yeah, so that's why I put that there. Can I posit some what Wikipedia would call original research oh, yes. oh, about oh, oh, magic we're bus. We're going to the research corner. Okay, uh, please bring the research. Well, so, okay, I don't know if everybody else uses Wikipedia as much as I do, but it's just what they flag stuff as when they're like, quit pretending that Wikipedia is your term paper, sure, yeah. Karen, yeah. and cite your sources yep. instead of bringing up your own new mm -hmm. bullshit. So, okay, okay, okay. So, Magic Bus is a is a Rolling Stone song. No shit. That's that's no, I it's not, but I think I think it is spiritually. Oh. Okay. Um I I think that so something interesting about the Who is that despite being immediately identifiable as the Who, they are also very much chameleons. They do so many different styles. Earlier in their catalog, they did a cover of Heatwave. Yep. That's actually very good. <laughs> I was, it's so good it almost made me mad. Um, <laughs> and before you move on, before you move on, like, so. The early, the earliest Who album and singles, it's like part of what's called the, I guess, the 60s mod scene. Um, uh -huh. and, and this, again, this is not, don't, don't hold me to this. This is just like things I've heard over time. I've not, I'm not writing a term paper here. This isn't original research, but like a lot of bands at that time, especially from Britain, where we're cutting, we're, we're looking to, uh, R and B like from Motown and Stax. 
and frayed and with the overall vibes of like what Austin Powers is making sure. fun of. And they were trying is the mod like, scene. And like they would, you know, attempt to cover that music be, uh, because that was like what they loved. And then it's funny mm-hmm. when the punk movement hit its like big wave in the late 70s. Uh, there was a British band called The Jam fronted by Paul Weller. Mm-hmm. And they do a really good cover of Heat Wave. And I think. I think that's just like a, a mod rite of passage at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun yeah. idea, and it is a very—it's a cool yeah, song. Like that, yeah, th- their covers that they do pull off. I'm like, how is this so good? Like, yes. How did you do this? What sort of voodoo did you do to make this, you know, come off? Yeah, and it requires a lot of confidence in, like, the traditional swaggery rock and roll ways, but also in terms of just being, like, comfortable with your masculinity or whatever, relatively to the 1960s in Britain. <laughs> That's true. That's okay. True. So, my the, yeah, the extent of my theory is that I think that Magic Bus opens with a sequence that would be right at home in a Rolling Stones album. It sounds much like the opening of sympathy for the devil for example or um brown sugar that kind of like i think of that as the rolling stones kind of build up to the song so matthew how did you feel about making this list uh i noticed a lot of things like okay i think this is actually one of the this is one of the better times that i've had mainly because i started to realize midway through making it that the who kind of fits like we could have rolled any of motions and been fine like like i'm really glad we rolled what we did um and i think that if we had rolled different things i might have been like okay this is going to be a little weird i wonder how this is going to come off but ultimately just thinking about it as i was doing it, i'm like wow all of this stuff fits like we could have done any permutation of the emotions we use and come out with music to spare from this band. Also, I was kind of afraid I could have done even this exact list of like these two prompts. I could have come up with completely different music that would have just also been very good in this list. And, and then I also, I also realized like, wow, the who, have been around for near 60 years. I didn't realize they hadn't released more albums. Like for some reason I thought yeah. they had way more than they did. And I think a lot of they're just high density of the good yeah, shit. I think a lot of that is uh is because like in the UK specifically like singles and EPs were like those songs didn't always make it to albums. Um, I know that I know that like now that's way different, but like even that's sort of a tradition that has come through. Uh, even with like you know Oasis, The Smiths, Blur, Bell and Sebastian, like mm-hmm. any, any uh, uh, like there's still a very there's still a very decent appreciation of the long form single, and uh, I, I while I like that, uh. I do recognize that it can be a little bit 
um, it could be a little bit nebulous if you're trying to find all of your favorites. But Definitely. Yeah, I think that's where, um, where I think Magic Bus is like a single rather than an album cut. I think I could be wrong. Yeah, I think you almost you almost told me about it being a Rolling Stones song. <laughs> I know I didn't I didn't mean to bamboozle you oh, in no, that it's way. Fine. It's um, fine. If if it's you doing the bamboozling, I will probably go along with it. Yeah, it was more like just my riffing like one of the annoying guys in High Fidelity, you know? Um which I think I think relatively speaking we do very little of that on this show and I'm proud yeah. of us. And um, okay, so what about you, Caroline? I I, really, I didn't really respond. I didn't really get, throw it to you. What about how did you feel? Yeah, no, that's okay. I was gonna throw it. To, I was going to the batting cages. I was gonna field my own throw. That's okay. And I really enjoyed making this list. I think I know I said before in a very high and mighty way that I think the Who are kind of underrated or underexamined as a classic rock band but that that includes myself i haven't listened to the who in a long time yeah and there's some classic rock that i do still listen to pretty regularly but some bands like led zeppelin i can't think of the last time i listened to led zeppelin i think that might be something where it's just of a certain time and place in my life and it will be very difficult to like get back into them in that same way and so it was really fun to be reminded of things like the depth of the Who's bench and how much really just fun and quite timeless music they made. And also to revisit the absolute weirdo stuff like Squeezebox or Boris the Spider. I love so much. Squeeze. <laughs> Squeeze box is so weird. It's so Squeeze gross. Squeeze box was <laughs> on my list until three hours ago. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, it is true that Squeeze box would make me anxious. And <laughs> oh no, it was at the happy side of it. That song makes me so happy. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. Oh, but um, it was like I was like either that but, or Pinball Wizard. I think I chose correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so too and so yeah I think like you said the emotional depth of this catalog is really good the quality overall is really good and it was nice to listen to some entire albums that I don't think I've ever listened to before I've just heard moments from them over time and yeah it's there is something very special about the who the way that they sound unique and uh their songwriting earlier in their career their song choices um they're just like pretty cool i also i also want to shout out just the way that they like used fashion especially in in their in the early or their early albums like in the mid 60s like, I think they just looked cool as shit. Yeah. Like, you know, later on, like, especially like from Tommy on, they start to look like just another. And I know Tommy came out the, in the, in the set in this in 69, but they look like just 
another rock band from the 70s essentially like they didn't they didn't really have a super distinct look i mean individually they look distinct from one another like they didn't dress the same it's not like you're looking at four like you could tell that they are four different personalities when you see them on stage but i just think that if i were ever to fancy myself as being a mod ever uh Mm -hmm. i would look at them and take notes because they, I think they just they just totally so stylish, um, especially compared with. Um, I'm sorry that I keep talking shit about the Beatles, talk shit about them. It's but funny. I know that a lot of this is tied up with how, especially British culture was at the mm-hmm. time, and uh, but the Beatles in those first appearances where they're all wearing matching suits are just like so boring. They're just deeply boring and at least like when you watch when you watch the clips of Elvis and all the girls are swooning and stuff Elvis is like he looks cool he's wearing like cool high-waisted baggy trousers and you know like he's just like he knows he's got it going on his dance moves are cool he's Uh sexy you know he's working it or even early rock guys who are when I say that I mean black musicians yeah. who started yes. rock and roll <laughs> like Chuck yeah, Berry, Chuck Berry, Little Richard, <laughs> yeah, yes, but yeah, I had I had really a lot of fun with this. I think you're very right. The Who are very cool. They always were. They did kind of become a little bit cookie cutter hippie, but I think that was what the industry was pressuring them to do, especially as more. Um, kind of like masculine coded homophobia took over in reaction yeah. to more glam rockers and uh, then to disco. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of got pushed in that direction or voluntarily. I can't speak to their hearts, but um, yeah, so I'll go back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show, like how they kind of embody um, mid mid and post 60s rock and roll and i'm not trying to i'm not trying to give them credit for like planting any flags or or anything with that i'm not i'm not saying that they're like the first anything because i don't think they are but i think when you if you were to if you were to think of if you were trying to define what rock and roll is um i think the boxes are are ticked by this band more than most. I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm not saying that like others don't have this because otherwise it rock and roll might've died. But, mm-hmm. but like when you think of loud riffs, like up until up, up, up from the beginning through quadrophenia, like this band was not afraid to be loud, and I I like the fact that I oh like totally the fact that Pete Townsend as the sole guitar player, he shifts between trying to do a rhythm guitar and a lead guitar, but instead he just plays just one loud chord a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's not like it's not like and that that's not even like derisory in any way because he plays his notes his way so well and it's not like he's doing the three chord punk thing either um he's 
you know, he he chooses his emphatic moments. He can play quiet. He he's surprisingly versatile as a guitarist. Um, Keith Moon. I feel like there's. I feel. I think that he's probably if if Neil Peart doesn't exist, if Neil Peart for Rush doesn't exist, Keith Moon is probably the greatest drummer mm-hmm. in history. Um, this is okay. This is very interesting, Matthew. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna need you to watch Freaks and Geeks. I'm sorry, that is your homework <laughs> after this. But um, I was thinking when we were talking before about when they cut to like British people on the street who talk about the rock group yeah. at the opera house, you know? So there's another iconic moment in Freaks and Geeks where Nick, played by Jason Siegel, is a drummer. He loves Neil. You're telling me it's Peart? I think that's actually how you say it. Okay, I believe you. I don't know anything I mean, about I'm, Rush. I'm, I feel like Neil, Neil Peart's last name is a highly contested how do you say this in the history and sure a shibboleth yeah that's how i'm saying it today (laughs) so um nick nick tells his girlfriend's dad that neil peart is his favorite drummer he thinks he's Mm -hmm. the best drummer ever and the dad who i can't remember the name of the actor but he's absolutely amazing he's like I'm sorry, this is the world that has Gene Krupa in it. And so they have a bonding moment where he gets out his jazz records and plays some jazz for Nick, who's like, how is he even doing that? Like, it's Jason Siegel. He's just, like, so clumsy and loud and adorable. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think the question of who's the best drummer ever is fraught. But it oh, is sure. very it is very I, funny that you essentially just said exactly what they go through in that episode. <laughs> yeah. Well and, and I, I also I also say that as someone who just cannot stand Rush's music. Um I've really only liked one full album and then some songs beyond that. Uh but like I and and I'm I'll qual I'll further qualify my statement. I meant just specifically rock because when you get into yeah. jazz, you you, yeah, all, yeah, yeah. you all you 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 move into a different sport at that point. Um totally. I agree. But but and then what I love about this band more so than anything is what I was saying earlier when I was talking not this, when I was talking about how like they kind of change in fashion but they never change personalities and this is a this i'm not the first person to to say this i don't know who coined this but the who are a hurricane on stage and you have keith moon basically providing a template for jim henson to create the muppet animal you have yes you have pete townsend you know just he already is a Muppet. You don't need to make him into one. <laughs> <He just has. laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> he has that look. <laughs> I'm non-derogatory. No, of course not. No, 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 no shit. <laughs> He's just a really goofy looking guy. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. 
Well, it's just like you see them those early pictures, and it's like they have a wide-angle lens on his nose. Yeah, and, he's just like his and, face is so interestingly like, proportioned like, with those like big eyes too. The, yeah, and he looks like a Simpsons drawing, but real. He does. <laughs> um, and and uh, all of this is non-derogatory and with the utmost respect. Pete Townsend, love you. Um, and then Roger Daltrey look li- looking like he wants to fight somebody as he swings that microphone around. Yes. And then they are off, very, to the yes. si- off to the side, you have John Entwistle standing still. He is the eye of that hurricane, even though he's not in the center. And funnily enough, his base anchors 95, if not 100%, of the songs he's a part of. Yeah. He's such an iconic bass player. He's maybe, I know Keith Moon is like also extremely iconic. Yeah. And arguably they all are, but John Entwistle, I think bass is one of the places where the really special ones stand out maybe the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I think, I mean, I think if you were to ask me my favorite bassist, like it's probably him and Les Claypool Primus. Um, nice, very good choice. And then, and then you get into like Bootsy Collins and his, you know, work with Parliament. You know, all of that. It, it's 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 a, it's a whole it's a whole other conversation. But, and I think with all of the things that they do, the Who are kind of like rock and roll incarnate in terms of like the aesthetics and the abstractness of it. Like I can I. I can definitely sit here and if I were if I were working at a music store today, today and like someone comes in, recommend me a rock band. I'll be like, well, do you like the Who? Never heard of them. Well, try the Who. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I at one point, I think they might have been the loudest band on earth in their yes. peak. Well, it's funny. Um, Oasis, Noel Gallagher, with when they were working on their first album, definitely maybe. He he said he went into the studio to try and make the loudest album since Live at Leeds. Nice. And I like uh, that. I, I do want to say that I know you. Um, I'm not a live music person either. I don't really care for live albums a lot. There well, Live at Leeds is that, like one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, though. there have been several yeah. that I loved, and Leeds is like. I feel like Leeds might be. The, the height in turn. Oh man, this I'm getting. I'm getting myself. A what? A, yeah. What about? What about? Mm, yeah. Queen. Queen at live, Wembley. You okay, know. Live at Leeds, hands down, the best live Who album. Set. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Stand I by see. <laughs> cool. Smooth. Smoothly done. I'll allow it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. The I I don't think I don't think another British Invasion era band released a better live album. What? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm doing the thing now, but Please the do. Rolling What's the Rolling Stone? Is it High Tides and Green Grass that is the or, Rolling or Stones live album? I think you're right. Yes, I get them mixed up, and um, you know, this is one of those cases where, first of all, it would be silly to argue about. I think that would be silly, but also like we're both winners. Like if you oh, listen yeah, to yeah. either one, you're having a good time. Yeah, like yeah. It's not, I, and me saying me saying that like I don't I don't think I don't think another British Invasion Air Band released a better one. That's not saying get your yayas out is bad because it is super not. 
Get yeah. Your <laughs> get your yayas out is amazing. We Not can say these are still the exceptions that are proving the rule that we yeah, don't exactly. overall care for live albums so much. Right. Um, but uh, I do want to do you do you want to talk about the Who's catalog at all for you or no? Because I do want to just talk about the Who sellout for a while. Ooh, yeah, please go ahead. So I said while I was doing my playlist that this is probably my favorite Who album. And I think in terms of the ambitiousness that they would that they would get to sometimes reach and uh, a few times spectacularly fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is actually probably my favorite. And I'm saying my favorite, not the best. And, and if you're gonna come out and <laughs> I'm sorry, I made you feel this way now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not speaking to you with this, Caroline. But if anybody wants to come at me with Sergeant Pepper as the great concept album, uh, no. Um, the Who Sellout is is such a beautiful idea, and they go so many different places with it, all with the idea of recreating being at home in the 60s and just having the radio on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And like it's almost and and they do like the whole begin the broadcast day with the with the the music going Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> um that's going to be in the audio because I can't manipulate recordings like that cuz I'm not an audio engineer. Uh sorry. But I also love that they will give you whatever song that they have, uh, like a song about um, getting a tattoo when you're too young, and then and then just intercut with it. The Radio London's here to remind you go to the church of your choice, and then they make songs that are just commercials. Yes, <laughs> it's so wild and so good. Um, and it was one of those things, like, before I had heard it, because I did not hear it till I was in my 20s. But when I was a, when I was on the radio in high school for four years, like, I thought about, why doesn't anybody do a really good, like, radio idea concept album? And then I heard this, I'm like, oh, yeah, because it's already been done. It's kind of amazing. No one should try this again because it's not going to compare to this. Granted, I feel like if someone tried to do it in the year 2022, people would be like, what's the radio? Um, no. <laughs> um, do you remember, okay, do you remember, first of all, the easy pick is Video Killed the Radio Star, but also Radio Gaga by Queen. Oh, you mean All We Hear is Radio yeah. Gaga? Yes. All We Hear is Radio Gaga, and yes. that song is like 35 or 40 years old now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I hate it here. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of really good live <laughs> albums. Uh... <laughs> yes, I, I, don't know, I don't know if you heard, but I did wedge in my personal choice, which is Queen at Wembley. And, um, even just saying that makes me want to look up songs on YouTube and watch yeah. them. It's, we'll do Queen someday. It's oh, no, very hard. Will. It's very hard to come up with a cooler, more archetypically rock and roll guy than Freddie Mercury. 
I kind of think he's I kind of think he's the very best of all time. Oh yeah, no. I see like I'm th- I'm trying to think like I don't know if Freddie Mercury is the archetype at all because no one oh, has come close. Yeah, yeah. To, like I mean, I would say that like he's the icon rather than the archetype. Yeah, I think that's and, a good distinction and I think you're not wrong. And yeah, because dude, if anybody even no uh, if someone came in and said i'm gonna try and be like freddie mercury i think even today people be like nah dog (laughs) like you got a you you got a long way to go and i don't care how good you are now friend i think i think we have we have some really good examples of people who i think are in the same like lineage as Freddie Mercury, which I would say somebody like Lil Nas X. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, John. Yeah. Absolutely. Like Mm -hmm. not just glam, but like trailblazingly glam. Sure. And then, um, Freddie Mercury was also iconic for embodying certain things from the queer community at the time and mm-hmm. making those very mainstream and um just like okay well now we've really wandered off into the weeds but that's okay um i think we've been recording for like an hour and a half and it's probably time for us to start to wrap it up sure uh i i will say that i just i just don't want to piss anybody off we are not trying to disrespect freddie mercury by cutting off here oh just no of no. course not no well here i'll just actually no. okay i would never disrespect freddie mercury i will say he's like the coolest guy to ever live yes in a band that turned out tons of filler among their beautiful hits so when we do a queen episode we'll have a lot of uh nuanced opinions at least from yeah. my side no, um, I, I, th- I mean, I think like as as much as I love the band, and I actually, for <laughs> early on in Reba's and my relationship, um, we went to a record store near where we live, and uh, in their used bin, like there were all these all these Queen albums had like just arrived, and they were all five bucks, and I I got like ten Queen albums. <laughs> for, <laughs> for 50 bucks like it was great uh and all of them are like surprisingly high quality like none there there, there wasn't a whole lot i mean like the sleeves are kind of worn but like the records themselves almost impeccable and when we were listening to them we're like yeah this one has a couple of hits and then you're, you're kind of done uh, yeah. there's a there's a lot of that in queen now there are a couple there are a couple where they went the distance um but i'm not going to get into those until we do queen because i know queen will definitely come up on this show that might actually be an episode where we bring reba on uh, if, she, if she'll if she'll come on a podcast uh if you heard that uh-huh. reba, uh yeah i'm serious um but yeah, so let's let's uh, let's hop on out of here. So, um, what are we doing next, Caroline? Well, so because this episode is an insert, that means we have already made our plans for the next episode, which is that we are listening to the punk band X from mm-hmm. Defeated to Content, and we will have our friend 
Don Everson on that episode. I think it's Everhart. Everhart, you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Just a little, little say, brain drain. I, I want to say, like, I remember, I think it was, I don't remember if it was on the episode or if we were, it was before, but like you said, you had been on a podcast. You two actually have probably spent a significant amount of time together on the critical distance uh, compilations that come out. Oh, that's true. Which I think is amazing. (laughs) Thank you. That's very kind. Like when I first wanted to find uh, better games, crit and analysis, I found critical distance from Austin Walker. And now that I have like found myself talking to people that have been on it, I feel very nervous, but, uh, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's, uh, if you like, if you like games and you want good writing, find critical distance, you'll, you'll find the good stuff there. They know the good stuff and I'm humbled that you still talk to me every two weeks. (laughs) Oh, don't be ridiculous. I am filling a quota. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But ridiculous is my brand. Uh, Okay, before before we spend too long riffing and me self-deprecating, where can the people find you, Caroline? Well, I think the social media landscape is changing rapidly. So uh, you can find me, as usual, on Twitter. My handle there is Adatoriat. If you've seen me around, you know who I am. Um, you can also find me just through the Trivial Merit account, which is at Trivial Merit. If you are on Mastodon, you can find me there. I'm at dosgame.club slash at editoriate. And if you're on co-host, I am editoriate there as well. And you can find those links through my Twitter as well. So um, I'm just trying to uh, divest my interest to make sure that I'm not losing track of people who I enjoy keeping up with as uh, Twitter experiences some problems. And let's see, I write for Popular Mechanics, I write for Unwinnable, I make some little text games, I'm just always bopping around doing different stuff. So um, yeah, I'm always poking around doing stuff, you can find me everywhere. I love your I love your co-host tagline, big dork that wants to help out. Yeah, that's me. I I I'm just like man, she knows herself so well. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I wish I knew who I was like that. Um, well, Matthew, um, not to paint us both with the same broad brush, but I think you're also a big dork who loves to help. So I do I, I, mine is unbridled enthusiasm, which I think that I think that's kind of true. Uh, but mm-hmm. Hey, you can find me on the crumbling semi hellscape. That is Twitter uh, at infinite underscore rewind. I am also on co-host as well. Uh, I'm at infinite dash rewind there because they don't allow underscores Mm -hmm. very Um, rude i'm on mastodon but so this is where this this is where mastodon i find it really hard to find me um so i will have better information the next time we record uh so i can figure so i'll figure that out but between mastodon and co-host i actually use co-host a lot more so i'll at least direct you there 
Uh, also, you can find me co-hosting a couple of other podcasts. Uh, one of them is with Caroline's and my friend Jesse, where he and I talk about movies. It's called Free Reeling It. We just recorded our episode on planes, trains, and automobiles. And we are next recording on The Prestige from Christopher Nolan. That movie's awesome. I have never seen it. So oh my gosh. I'm going okay, to. Okay, well, don't let me. I. D- I'm not exerting undue influence. I'm very no, curious fine. what you will think. Yes, I, I'm. I'm curious too because I've all. I've always heard it's awesome. So, uh, also you can find me talking about the modern Hitman trilogy on the Bald Gun Guy podcast uh, via ScanlineMedia.com. Uh, Six and Ty were wonderful uh, enough to allow me to nerd out with them as they play through the Hitman trilogy one level at a time. We are about to record the Haven Island DLC for Hitman 2. Then we will deal. Then we will de- delve into the sniper assassin missions. We're going to do one episode on all three of them. Then we will go into Hitman Three proper. It's a really fun show uh, with really fun folks, and uh, I love that series so so much. And I, I hope uh, I hope you come along the ride with us. I would love that. Uh, Bald Gun Guy Pod, or no, I'm sorry, at Gun Guy Pod on Twitter and um, scanlinemedia.com for them. Nice. Finally, our theme song is done by Julian V. Yeah. If you've ever listened to a Some Good Shows podcast, you've heard Julian V's music because he does the music for all of them. He's hella talented. He can shred on the guitar and he can write a mean song. I really, I'm really looking forward to him uh, doing his EP and releasing that, and hopefully, you know, getting more, getting, being able to sustain himself on on his music because he's very, very good at it. Follow him at J U L Z V Z on Twitter. That'll lead you to all of his other places. And uh, if you if you find yourself on his Instagram, you will be treated to all of his little musical noodlings because uh, he does post that there every so often, and it's all very yeah. Very fun. Love you, nice, Jules. nice, nice. Uh, so we'll see you in two weeks. We'll be joined Guess by we will. Thir- we'll, we'll be joined by a third voice in Don Everhart. We'll be talking about the California punk band X from uh-huh. defeated to content. So we'll see you then. Same time. Same station. Same station.